Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, maybe you're tuning in online or this is your first Sunday with us. My name is Andrew Fouché. I'm one of the pastors here. This is uh, the Christmas season. Happy December, everybody. It's here. Uh, for some of you, December uh, marks kind of the end of a, what is a, probably a blur of a year. Wow, the year's already over. Some of you are so glad because it's been a long year. Um, I can really kind of relate to both of those. Years ago, um, when we, my family and I were living in Spokane, I was a youth pastor, and uh, there was this a group of guys in our church that were doing this new thing. It was kind of cool at the time. Uh, it was called No Shave November. It was, it was a long time ago. And I had never really grown my beard out. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out and see how scurvy it looks. And, uh, and so I did it, and I ended up keeping it through November until Christmas time. Uh, and then Spokane, if you know, is a pretty cold area, uh, about 10 degrees colder than here on average in the, in the winter. And so the next year, I was like, man, I think I'm just going to do that again. It was kind of nice having a little extra facial insulation. So I did it for a few years. And then uh, the next year, I was like, you know, I'm done with that. The fad was done, no shave November. And my kids told me, when I said, one of my kids said, are you going to grow your beard out again this year? And I was like, no, I'm, you know, that's, no shave November is a thing of the past. And they, they immediately complained about it. And I was like, wait a second. My wife didn't initially, but she was fine with it. But um, what, what I realized is that it had become for my kids a marker that Christmas was coming. <laughs> so uh, I do it every year now. It's a tradition. <laughs> it's interesting, right? The things that kind of mark the seasons for us, whether it's uh, particular foods that you only make during the holidays or particular traditions that you have as the weather gets cold. All of us um, have kind of different memories of that, different sights and sounds and smells, and that's what makes this season so fun and so joyful. Our theme as we work our way towards Christmas Eve together is this theme of waiting expectantly. This is taken from Luke chapter 3. If you were with us last week, we kind of introduced the theme where it said that the people of Israel were waiting expectantly for the Messiah to come. So it was this idea of, of their history was loaded with this expectancy that, that a Savior would come, that they would be delivered from oppression, that things would change. Let me ask this question this morning. How do you sustain yourself when you are in a season of waiting? How do you keep yourself going? How do you survive? How do you put one foot in front of the other? If you're waiting for something joyful, you often sustain yourself by preparing, right? Um, maybe it's, it's the vacation. Oh, that's coming. It's coming in February. When, when it's cold and dark in Seattle, I'm going to Hawaii. And so you begin to, you can, you can sustain yourself in waiting for that vacation because you're preparing for it. You go and get a pre-tan so you don't burn, right? Or you, or you start to research all the beaches that you're going to hit when you go there. You, that's a joyful type of sustaining. Maybe it's a, a, the wedding day. You're planning for the wedding day, and so you, you keep yourself going with all the details that lead up to that day. Or maybe it's the arrival of a baby. My wife used to say, I'm feathering my nest, getting things ready 
for the arrival of that child. So when we're waiting, when we're in a season of waiting for something joyful, man, we often just throw ourselves into preparing for that. But what if you're waiting for something painful to come to conclusion or something, something that isn't as fun to just be done with? Oftentimes in that, we're strengthening ourselves to endure the season that we're in, waiting for it to be done. This could be prolonged health issues or it could be the loss of a job, any number of things that are difficult to walk through. And so we're just trying to put one foot in front of the other, trying to strengthen ourselves so that we can endure. Sometimes those things can actually be mixed together. There's a, there's a sense of expectancy of, uh, in the end it will be joyful, but right now in the lead up to that joy, it's going to be a challenge. And this is actually a central theme of the Christmas story. In the waiting expectantly, there is both a joy and a fear. There is both hope and there is shame. We see this broadly in the nation of Israel who is waiting for their Savior to arrive. And in our passage today, we will see it personally with a young couple who are engaged to be married. You've read this before, but this morning we're going to enter into the emotional experience of the announcement of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up this morning to Matthew chapter 1. This is the very first book of the Gospels, the account of Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 1. The two primary accounts of the Christmas story of Jesus' arrival are found in both Matthew and Luke's accounts. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. I want to encourage you as we read this together. We know this story. We, it's depicted on our nativities and in all the imagery that we see. But sometimes we kind of, in our familiarity, we skip over what is really happening. And so I want us to wade into the emotions that were present with this announcement. So let's read together. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But she did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So we see right in this story, we see this, this tension of waiting, the, the prophecy that was to be fulfilled, that the virgin would give birth connecting to the history of Israel, to their longing for a Messiah. 
And then in the middle of this is a young couple that are engaged. What do you think Joseph was thinking when Mary came to him and said, I'm pregnant? (laughs) What was Joseph thinking? And here's the thing. She said to him, Joseph, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Yeah, right. Somebody said it. So immediately, Joseph is processing all this. This is a lot to take in, okay? It's a lot to take in. I remember when my wife told me that she was pregnant with our firstborn. That was a lot to take in, and we were planning on it. (laughs) So Joseph, I can imagine him thinking this, and we get clues from the text. Okay, okay. According to our moral law, we're not to have sex before we got married, because they're not married yet. And we haven't. So, you're telling me this is God's doing? The emotion I can imagine he would feel, and this isn't a, a, a word we probably use a lot, but this word incredulous. This captures, incredulous captures both the I don't believe you, <laughs> and this is very suspicious. Like of all the stories you could come up with, you're saying this was God's doing? No way. Now, this isn't explicit in the text, but based on what Joseph then was processing, what he was planning to do, he comes up with a plan. Because guys are fixers, right? There's a problem. We're going to figure out how to fix it. And so he comes up with a plan. And he thinks, okay, number one, I can't marry someone who is unfaithful to me. She did this. She went against God's laws. Divorce is the only option. Essentially, she's committed adultery. Even though we're not married yet, it it had the same weight in that culture for an engaged couple. So, So Joseph, the next emotion he feels is this resolve, right? I'm going to do something about this. But Joseph, we see the the tenderness of him, the grace of him, really his love for Mary. He was I have to do this. This is the only way, but I still care about her. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it quietly. There's no hashing it out publicly. There's no, I'm not going to drag her into a court. We'll just get a couple of witnesses, finish the divorce, and then we can go on our own way. And so we see in Joseph this feeling of, of compassion. Have you noticed these emotions before in this story? Often we just go, oh, yeah, yeah, virgin birth, da-da-da. What, what great news. Can you imagine the weight that they both were feeling in that moment? Now, this, Mary's already been told, we see in Luke's gospel, Mary's, Mary's had an encounter with an angel before this. Joseph hasn't got that word yet. So she's probably a little more at peace at this point than he is. She believes this is God's doing, but Joseph still isn't there. Oftentimes, it's the guy that has to move a little slower, right, to digest the information. So after feeling these emotions, after figuring out his plan, we then see in verse 20 what we just read. It says, after he considered this, his plan, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph's response, what? Well, it's fear. What is going on? Now, don't be afraid, okay, of what? Maybe the angel. In fact, almost every place in Scripture when an angel, a messenger of God appears, the first response is fear, and I get that. It's an angel, supernatural. But I think there's also another fear at play here. The fear of what people might think. Neither of them had done anything wrong. But Joseph, in staying with her in the eyes of the culture, would be saying, this is my doing. We did something we shouldn't have done until we got married. And so there's probably that fear. The fear of what people would think, what the culture would say. Mary would also have to deal with this. She would have to deal with shame. She would have to deal with the gossip of the other women in her circle. Look at her. She's six months pregnant and they haven't even gotten married yet. Fear has different facets, doesn't it? You think of a diamond that has different sides to it. Fear has different facets. It, it, it looks like grief sometimes. It looks like guilt. It looks like shame. I can imagine they were feeling all of this in this announcement. They didn't know how the story was going to end like we do today. And so after all the clues about their emotions, what we see described here, we don't know what Joseph felt after his encounter. There's no descriptor of that. Was it resolve again? Okay, now there's a new plan. God's one, I'll, I'll stick with that. We're not sure, but what we do know is that he married her, and he named his son Jesus. The shame and scandal probably followed them well past the birth of Jesus, but Joseph and Mary didn't let the outside pressures affect how they responded to God's word to them. And this is where we find ourselves in the Christmas story. We believe this story to be true. In fact, I would say if you remove this story, you remove the essence of Christianity, the fulfillment of prophecy, the miraculous divine embodiment of God in a baby that would be born. We believe this to be true. But at some point, I'm pretty sure we all feel kind of similar emotions as Joseph and Mary. At some point when we were following Christ, or when we, before we even made the decision to follow Christ, we wrestled with some of these. The, the idea of, of this being just too hard to believe. When Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, he was incredulous. And we often feel like that too, right? God, the creator of everything, appeared as a person? This is too hard to believe. Could it be true? We hear that from our culture, right? We've had to answer that question to ourselves. And then so then, kind of like Joseph was incredulous, there's no way, then we come up with, uh, with a new idea, a plan to deal with this statement. Resolve. There's no way. That's crazy. Something else had to have happened back then, but it definitely wasn't this. We know Jesus is a historical person. There's no doubt about it. Christianity is the biggest religion on earth. It's got to be rooted in historical truth. 
But there is, there's no way that it happened like this. No way. You've probably felt these emotions, right, as you've considered your own faith. And certainly those that haven't placed their faith in Jesus look at this story in the same way that Joseph would have received that announcement. Suspicious, disbelieving, there's got to be something else at play here. But much like the Spirit placed a baby in Mary's womb, we have placed our faith in Jesus, have a similar encounter. The beginning of faith that is given to us can have a, just a surprising effect. Man, but what if? What if it is true? What if God is real and he chose to reveal himself in this way? What if, what if I believe this whole thing? How would that change my life? Oh, what would people think? <laughs> my, my coworkers and family, they would laugh at me and they would talk about me behind my back. Andrew, you really believe that? The shame and perceptions that I have to deal with, the gossip, the fear. But then like Joseph, at some point, that faith that's given to us, we grab a hold of it like it's the only thing that matters. And we say, though the words that were spoken to me are true, God has done this thing. He's got a plan, and he's invited me to be a part of that plan. And so like Joseph, we say, wow, God's word is true. I love this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph eventually said, okay, I believe this whole thing. I believe it. And it would happen. In our current day, we're told that what we feel is what is true. What you feel is the most true thing. But Joseph found out that there was a deeper truth at work in his life. It was only through the words of God that his whole understanding and perspective on life as he knew it would shift. And then following that, so would his emotions. His emotions around the whole thing were not the truest thing. They were real. They were based on what he was experiencing but they were misleading. And when he received the word of God, then everything for him changed. <clears throat> we get this idea of shame. We feel it in our own lives. What people think, what we've done, how we respond. That's a central part of this story. Jesus, as he would grow, when he would start his ministry, he would take that shame that we all feel he would take it with him all the way to the cross. Not his shame, but he would take our shame. Yes, thank you, Lord. In a beautiful description of how waiting with expectancy often has mixed emotions, the author of Hebrews 12, or the author of Hebrews says this in verse, chapter 12, verses 1. Think of waiting with expectancy. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Christmas story eventually leads us to the cross. Dying on a cross was the most shameful public spectacle of the day. But shame would not have the last word. Hebrews 12 says Jesus would respond to the emotion of shame. So he would feel it. And then his response to that shame was disdain. You have no place here, shame. You have no authority here. Yes, he felt it, but there was something more true than that shame that he was able to see. Shame was all around him, but joy was set before him. Joy, because he knew that what was coming after the cross was victory. And so he took it all with him, and he exposed it for what it was. In this room this morning, there's two viewpoints of the Christmas story represented. Some of you are still sitting in the emotions of unbelief. You're like Joseph before the angel appeared. There's no way. This is all a fairy tale. It's too crazy to believe. I'll never accept it. Some of you are sitting there in the Christmas story. Others of you have said yes. You've heard the word of God. And you have believed the word of God, and you have acted out of that belief. You live based on what God has said. But that doesn't mean it's easy, does it? You still have to deal with fear and ridicule and shame. You still have to choose to believe God's word or not to believe God's word. I can imagine at some point after Jesus was born and after... They fled to Egypt and the wise men appeared. All that kind of settled down. Age 6, 7, 8, 13, 15, 16. As Jesus was growing, Joseph was like, wow, that thing that happened when he was little is pretty amazing. But is it still? Like, when's this Savior thing going to kick in? <laughs> Am I going to be around to see it? What's going to happen? Joseph still had to trust the word of God. It came to him early, but we don't have this record that God kept showing up and being like, still true. Keep going, Joseph. Wouldn't we like that? Don't we feel like we need that in our faith at times? Yeah. God would just answer this prayer, then I'll keep going. <laughs> we don't know. So it, in this waiting, it doesn't mean it's easy. Both sides are waiting, whether you're waiting in disbelief or you're waiting in faith. But only one side has hope. Only those that have said, yes, I trust the word of God, I believe it. Only those that have placed their faith in Jesus can, can relate with Joseph. The word of God, his word, is our comfort when we're overwhelmed with emotion. The psalmist puts it this way. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I don't know if you are in a season of waiting right now or what emotions you are pressing into or are pressing onto you. 
but I do know this to be true. In your waiting, put your hope in God and listen to his word. We have the beautiful benefit of having it in our hands. Meditate on it. Hold fast to it. Ask him for more, but trust in him. Put your hope in him in this season. Let's pray together as the worship team comes up. Lord, there are, uh, I, would, I, I would wager to bet God, only you know the hearts in this room, that a majority of us are waiting for something. Relationships to be resolved, finances to come, jobs, health. I would also wager to bet that a majority of us need to hear from you, God. We need We need more than just one angelic appearance. And yet you have placed in us this seed of faith that is continuing to grow. And so, Father, would you water it? Would you grow it? In our waiting, Father, may we not turn and be led strictly by our emotions, but by your truth. And, Lord, in this Christmas season, would you replace our shame and our guilt and our grief with your joy? a joy that sees beyond the circumstances, a joy that can scorn the shame like you did at the cross and look to what is true and good. Look to your promises. So may we leave this place, this gathering this morning with that kind of joy, bigger than our circumstances and emotions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.